friends, welcome to Log On at 11 Spurgeon Baptist Church's online presence during this current COVID season. Uh, we're going to follow what has become our regular pattern. We have a little liturgy that holds our worship together. Uh, if you've got a print copy, everything in bold type is what we say together. Everything in light type, I'll say on my own. If you're following on the screen, Everything in yellow type is what we say together. So let's begin. In the beginning, before time, before people, before the world began, God was. Here and now, among us, beside us, enlisting the people of the earth for the purposes of heaven, God is. In the future, when we will have turned to dust, and all we know has found its fulfilment. God will be. Let us pray. Loving God, you are faithful, just and forgiving. Help us now to grasp the greatness of your love. Where we have failed to love and loved to hurt, forgive us and heal us. Where we have scorned difference, and have been indifferent to those in need. Forgive us and heal us. Where we have spoken harsh words to others and have been quick to take offence ourselves. Forgive us and heal us. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. At a future church meeting, church members will have the opportunity to vote for the next president of the Baptist Union. That will be the person that follows Jeff Colmer. Jeff Colmer's presidential year will start a little bit later, uh, towards the end of the spring this year. And when he comes to the end of his year this time, next year, uh, there'll be someone to take his place. We've got the chance to vote for who that might be. Uh, all of the candidates have just recorded a very brief video clip and we'll see one each week for the next few weeks until we've exhausted the supply to help us make our minds up. I don't know any of these folk, I've never met them uh, and I only know um, what you know, and I'll only know um, the same as you as we see these things unfold. So let's hear from today's candidate. I feel very privileged to be nominated for the Baptist Union presidency. At this time in particular, with so much change in our society and so much change in our churches also, but first, let me take this opportunity to tell you a little bit about myself and what God has laid on my heart should I be elected as president for the year 22 to 23. I'm currently the regional minister team leader of the Eastern Baptist Association and prior to that I was in pastoral ministry and translocal ministry. I live in Thetford in Norfolk with my husband Stephen who is now retired. We have three adult children who all live in different parts of the country 
and we are blessed now with seven grandchildren, the last two of which were born in January. We delight to spend time with our family when we can, and we also enjoy exploring the Norfolk countryside. Stephen has a passion for model railways, and I love to spend time in many creative pursuits, and during 2020 have rediscovered a love of jigsaws. 2020 has seen a resurgence of walking in our local area. And I have taken many walks and often walked in Thetford Forest, which isn't far from where I live. A forest has an amazing and beautiful ecosystem, which by definition is completely interdependent. The tiny acorn, the lichen, the moss, the fallen leaves, the fungi, the saplings, the mighty oaks, the conifers, they all have their part to play to make this place healthy, breathing and alive. Our churches too are ecosystems, which of course function at their very best when every person is released to bring their voice to contribute to the mission of God. Many of our churches do an amazing work of reaching out to a real cross-section of our society and their churches reflect this. However, alongside this, I am aware that there are many people in our churches who do not feel they have a voice. They feel marginalised, disadvantaged or just not listened to. And this can be for a myriad of reasons. Who am I talking about? Well, here are some of the possibilities. Maybe it's children or young people or young adults who maybe don't fit our systems and our traditions. Perhaps it's young people that we struggle to understand because they're neurologically atypical and we think they are being disruptive. Those with disabilities, both visible and invisible. Or perhaps those who make life choices which may be strange to us and which don't fit our worldview or our theological view. Perhaps it's those who travelled to this country 20 years ago, seeking a better life, seeking home and work, but have actually sat at the back of our churches since, not being sure they have a voice. Maybe those who think the church is for the middle class and not for people like them. The women over the years who have been disenfranchised by male dominated systems. I'm sure I could go on, unfortunately. However, I believe that these are also the people to whom Jesus went first. The people who Jesus took by the hand and said, come with me be drawn into the centre. Don't sit on the sidelines. When praying about whether to accept this nomination, God gave me the phrase of being a voice for the voiceless. I believe this is about raising up the voiceless in our churches. These voices need to be heard more loudly, for it is these voices who will reach those who are like them with the gospel. 
If our faith and leadership is modelled in a monochrome way, then where is the welcome for the rich diversity which is the human race for whom Jesus died to bring life to all peoples and all nations? I want to celebrate all that is happening in many of our churches who do reach the disenfranchised and marginalised, but also to encourage us to go further, to be braver, to release a myriad of voices who will bless and praise God's name and together grow God's kingdom and strengthen his church to be a reflection of all humanity. Good morning. You're invited to join us on Sunday the 21st of March at 3pm on Zoom for a conversation across our two church fellowships, St Fryswise and Spurgeon Baptist Church, to think further about the future shape of our church centre. Many of you will remember attending our com Building Conversations meeting in October 2019. Having reviewed and digested all that came from that meeting, we are now following up with a presentation by Grindley Architects, who have carried out an initial feasibility study for the site. This is your chance to feed into any further thinking for us to contemplate together what our vision for Waterreach and Church Centre might be. Please do join us. Hello, the reading this morning is from Genesis 31, verses 1 to 21, and the passage is entitled Jacob flees from Laban. Jacob heard that Laban's sons were saying, Jacob has taken everything our father owned and has gained all this wealth from what belonged to our father. And Jacob noticed that Laban's attitude towards him was not what it had been. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent word to Rachel and Leah to come out to the fields where his flocks were. He said to them, I see that your father's attitude towards me is not what it was before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I've worked for your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me by changing my wages ten times. However, God has not allowed him to harm me. If he said the speckled ones will be your wages, then all the flocks gave birth to speckled young. And if he said the streaked ones will be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked young. So God has taken away your father's livestock and has given them to me. In the breeding season, I once had a dream in which I looked up and saw that the male goats mating with the flock were streaked, speckled or spotted. The angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, I answered, here I am. And he said, look up and see that all the male goats mating with the flock are streaked, speckled or spotted. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now leave this land at once and go back to your native land. Then Rachel and Leah replied, Do we still have any share in the inheritance of our father's estate? 
Does he not regard us as foreigners? Not only has he sold us, but he has used up what was paid for us. Surely all the wealth that God took away from our father belongs to us and our children. So do whatever God has told you. Then Jacob put his children and his wives on camels, and he drove all his livestock ahead of him, along with all the goods he had accumulated in Padan Aram, to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. When Laban had gone to share his sheep, Rachel stole her father's household gods. Moreover, Jacob deceived Laban the Aramean by not telling him he was running away. So he fled with all he had, crossed the Euphrates River, and headed for the hill country of Gilead. So, the continuing story of Jacob. Let's just recap where we are. We recall that Jacob had to run away from home uh, because of taking his brother Esau's birthright. He lied to his dad, cheated his brother. Uh, his brother, understandably, very unhappy, breathing out murderous threats. Uh, Mum decided the best thing to do was to send him away to her brother Laban. Uh, uh, to save him uh, from any further damage. So off he went. Uh, he goes to Laban's household. He falls in love with Rachel uh, and asks for her hand in marriage. Yes, you can have her in exchange for seven years work. So he does seven years work uh, and Laban promptly gives Jacob Leah. <laughs> Uh, the oldest sister first. Well, you can still have Rachel, but that's another seven years work. So he does another seven years work. So when the 14 years are up, as indeed they are now, uh, Jacob starts to think about moving back to his own family. But Laban's keen to hold on to Jacob because he knows that wherever Jacob has been, uh, God has blessed him. Uh, Laban has prospered. So they strike, they strike up another deal. Um, Jacob, you can have all the spotted and speckled sheep and goats and I'll have all the plain ones. Uh, and all well and good. But Laban, of course, uh, tries to cheat. But Jacob outwits him. And Jacob's flocks increase and prosper whilst Laban's going to decline. Laban's sons, understandably, are not very happy about this. After all, this is their inheritance. And on top of that, uh, Jacob notices that Laban's attitude towards him was not what it was, as it says in verse 2. Um, God reappears on the scene at this stage in this chapter, way back You'll remember when Jacob's adventure began, whilst he was a fugitive and frightened for his life, uh, God had come to him and spoken to him at a place that Jacob uh, renamed Bethel, the house of God. And at, in that encounter, God promised Jacob land and offspring and promised to be with him. And this has been the case. Uh, Jacob has prospered and now God speaks to him again. Go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives. 
So that's the fulfillment of the promise, isn't it? That's the beginning of the fulfillment of that part of the promise. But just think about this for a minute. He had left under a cloud, and that's putting it mildly, isn't it? He'd had to get out. He'd had to run away in fear of his life. 14 years has passed. Is that enough time? It's a long time, isn't it? 14 years. It is a long time. But is it long enough for Esau to have cooled and not to want Jacob's life anymore? Well, we'll find out, won't we? But maybe this is out of the frying pan into the fire. We don't know that at the moment. We have to wait and see what happens. Um, very often, I think, you know, those of us that are Christian people, we we often think about God as a place of safety and refuge, which, of course, he is. And we we tend to think that he will take us out of danger. But here's an example of God potentially taking someone that he has chosen back into danger. Uh, and I think that's worth a moment or two's reflection, really. Um, life is not always straightforward and not always easy. Uh, and especially if you proclaim Jesus as Lord and Saviour. I mean, there's some parts of the world where if you if you believe what we believe, your life is in constant danger. Your, the prospects for your life could be damaged in some parts of the world if you openly declare yourself to be a Christian disciple. Uh, lack of employment, lack of prospects for employment, lack of marriage partner sometimes. These are all things that can happen in some parts of the world when you say, I'm a Christian. So to believe that you will never be in danger uh, if you belong to the Lord uh, is perhaps a false thing to believe. Jesus doesn't promise that. Jesus promises, I will never leave you or forsake you. So uh, just thinking about the circumstances of your own life right now. It may not be all that you would like it to be. And if you are in danger, if there's something that you can do to remove yourself from that danger, I will give you very strong encouragement to do that. If there's nothing you can do, I'm sorry to hear that. The promise of God is that he will never leave you or forsake you. So even if it looks bad, even if it is bad, God is still with you. What does Jesus say? Jesus tells us, you know, if we want to follow him, we need to take up our cross, deny self, take up your cross and follow me. Be prepared to die. Be prepared to lose everything for my sake. Jacob is being called back into a situation which will be fraught with danger for him. But he hears God's call on his life and responds to it. And he does that because of the overruling promise of God, uh, which is repeated in this chapter. I will be with you. And that's enough for him. And so Jacob's response to this call is, is very positive and we see it. 
companion verses 4 to 16, he's been waiting really uh, for God's word so that he can move on again. This calling on his life has wider implications for him. Now, when it first came to him, he was a single man and he was a fugitive <laughs> uh, and in a sense had nothing to lose. Well, there's a lot more going on now. I mean, it's easy to respond to God's calling when there's just you to think about. It, it is slightly different when, you know, there are other people involved. So, you know, if you're married and you've got a family, uh, which has happened, of course, to Jacob now, uh, it, it's easy to respond when we've got no ties. Now he's got he's got two wives now and he's got a dozen children. He's got flocks and herds and maidservants and men servants. There's a lot more to think about and to consider. But like his grandfather, Abraham, uh, he wants to go with God. And so he calls his wives to him uh, and explains the situation. He puts it in the context of God's sovereign call and God's sovereign will, which is always a good thing to do. Um, the earlier chapter concentrated on Jacob's skill as a shepherd, didn't it really? Um, and a breeder, you know, this, and, and it was, was portrayed to us that this was the way that he grew his flocks. You know, he, he stripped some bark or he made sure that the branches were speckled and he put them in the water supply and did all that piece. Um, but in this chapter, <clears throat> you realise that God was very much in what was going on. And Jacob acknowledges God's activity <clears throat> in all of this. Excuse me. Um, in, in this chapter, Jacob says, you know, this was all God's doing. And he, he has another dream where God speaks to him and shows him. Uh, what he had done, the dream concerning the male goats. Um, Jesus says to his disciples, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit. The disciples are to bear fruit in order that God can be glorified, uh, not for themselves, you know, not to say, look at me, aren't I good? But so that we can point towards God. And this is exactly what Jacob is doing in this particular episode. Um, Yes, I've got all of these flocks and herds now, and they're all very good. Uh, but this has only happened because God has been in what I've been doing. Uh, God has been guiding me all along. All of his success, he would say, is down to God looking after him. Uh, now, says Jacob, this same God is calling me home. And there is an unspoken question. Will you come with me? And then Rachel and Leah talk it over and they come to a decision and of course their discussion is interesting isn't it um, do we still have a share in father's inheritance and the inference is no well of course not now because they've been married to Jacob and they've been transferred as it were from father's domain and circle into Jacob's domain um, he's their husband he's responsible for them now um, he regards us, Father regards us as foreigners. He sold us and he's used up whatever profit he made on the deal. Wow, this is harsh, isn't it? But actually probably true. Um, Laban is desperate to hold on to Jacob because he knows that it's only because Jacob is with him that he has prospered at all. And he's aware enough to know that when Jacob leaves, all of that prosperity is probably going to go with him uh, and he's going to be left worse off. 
<clears throat> the fatherly hand of Laban uh, may be somewhat lacking, but the fatherly care that God has lavished on Jacob, much of it unseen by us until now, uh, well, that stands in stark contrast, doesn't it? So the girls are not daft. Uh, they look at what's going on. They accept that God is with Jacob and they say, yes, we'll come with you. Uh, we'll go with you. So maybe they see the way the wind's blowing. Maybe that's a bit mercenary. Well, who knows? But as we were saying, they've been moved out of the orbit of one man into the orbit of another man from their father to their husband. And I know that's difficult for some uh in our culture, in our day, but that's the way it was then. Uh, you needed a man, if you were a woman, uh, to be protected and to prosper. Uh, and that's what's happening. They're, they're very aware of who they are now and where their responsibility lies. So, of course, they will go with their husband. And, of course, they'll go with him because they see uh, evidence of God's blessing upon him. So they decide to put themselves under his protection and the protection of God. Um, which is not a bad thing to do, is it really, when you think about it? And maybe more of us should just use our eyes a little bit more uh, and see what happens when we commit ourselves to God. And if we hear of others that are doing this, just look and see. I mean, if you're if you're watching this and you're not yet a Christian, but you, I mean, if you are watching it, you probably know people that are. Otherwise, why would you be bothering with this? Uh, and you'll have seen something in the way that they live that has caused you to think maybe there's something in this. Well, maybe there is something in this. I mean, I certainly believe that there is, but then I'm bound to say that, aren't I? Uh, but there are stories around and you will have you will have seen them and you will have heard them. You know, people who stand up to the difficulties of life with tremendous courage and fortitude. Um, you need to ask, why is that? What is going on in their life that enables them to react and respond as they clearly are, positively? Uh, and very often you will find that there is a strand of faith uh, and a significant strand of faith. You know, even in the ordinary circumstances of life, just coping with home and family. And we've had a lot to cope with, haven't we, uh, in these last few months? Thank God we appear to be at the beginning of the end, don't we now? It looks as though things will be opening up for us if all goes well. Um, you know, difficult work situation, unemployment, difficult family life. Folk manage somehow and, and not just survive, but thrive. Why is that? The world looks on but never sees. If you're looking on, look carefully. My invitation is not just to look, but to see. See what's happening. And if you know the person well enough, Maybe even venture to ask the question. How do you remain so cheerful? How do you manage to cope with everything that's going on in your life? And if somebody says that to you in the next few days or weeks or months, friends, 
be ready to give an answer. As it says in the scripture, be ready to say why. It's because I know Jesus. It's because I've found strength in the presence of God. It's because my faith sustains me. That may be all you need to say at this stage. But be thankful to God that your witness has had impact amongst those that you live and move <clears throat> and have your being. So, um, the conclusion of uh, this conversation between God and Jacob and Jacob and his wives is that, you know, Jacob gathers everything together. Uh, he pulls his household together and his wives and children and, and everything. And they leave Paddan Aram and they begin the return journey to, well, who knows what? It's Jacob, so we know it's not going to be a straightforward journey, don't we? Uh, it will be complicated by the fact that they haven't told Laban that they're going. And, well, there's other stuff going on as well, isn't there? If you want to know how this works out, come back next time. Same time, same channel. See you then. Let us pray. Now, Father God, we pray for our sisters and brothers in Christ who live in parts of the world where it's not easy to be a Christian disciple. We pray for all those who have suffered as a result of their seeking to follow you. For those who have lost employment, opportunities, careers, education, their own freedom for those who've lost family members, for those who have suffered bereavement as a result of wanting to proclaim the name of Christ. We pray for farmers in India who continue to protest against new legislation which they say will favour large corporations and uh, possibly lead to the eradication of smaller farmers, um, the backbone of much of India's agriculture. We pray, Lord, that you will bless and encourage all those that are looking for a fairer society, whichever side of the argument they find themselves on. Uh, we ask, Lord, that you would be abroad in that country, as we know that you are, and that you would encourage people of goodwill to find a way forward in this particular instance. In our own country, we pray for industry and commerce as they come to terms with living in uh, a new reality, uh, the Brexit reality. We particularly pray for our farming and fishing industries. The fishing industry particularly were hopeful that better days would lie ahead outside of the European Union. And at the moment that doesn't look to be happening. Uh, we pray, Father, for all those that go out to sea every day to find food for us. We pray that we might be more aware of the fish that we eat, where it has come from, 
and who has found it for us. And perhaps, Lord, we might take uh, a different tack and we might look specifically uh, for fish that have been caught in UK waters by the UK fishing industry. If there is something that we can do, Lord, to try and help folk in our country survive and thrive, show us. We give you thanks, Father, for Bill and Angela Barnes celebrating their golden wedding anniversary. Thank you for their love for one another. Thank you for holding on to them through thick and thin. Thank you for their witness uh, as to what a good and lasting partnership can mean. We pray you'll bless them in this day, that you will encourage them and that there will be many, many days in the future uh, for them together. Draw near and bless them with every good thing we pray. We remember our other friends too. Uh, lift them up before you. Some are bereaved, some are giving thanks, some are struggling with illness. You know their needs, everyone, and we pray that you will draw near to them as we mention them by name before your throne of grace. Chris, Ken, Adrienne and Hugh, Eric, Les, Dot, Margaret and Bob, Peter, Jesse, Dennis and Shirley, Mary, Jay, Terry, Naomi, Thelma, Lynn, Nigel, Graham, Lauren and Lewis, Ron Mercer's daughter Catherine and her husband Paul, Gail, Andy. We gather up all of our prayers as we say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We say the canticle together. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now go forth into the world in peace. Be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. 
help the afflicted. Honour all people. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, rest upon you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.